morning, church. Uh, as they said, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Rera Rambuda. And uh, for those of you that have gotten to know me, you would have found out that I am a Man United fan. So I apologize to every other soccer fan here who does not support Man United. I don't know what's wrong with you. But maybe at the end of this service, you will see the light. But, but I love uh, soccer. I, I really love my weekends because I get to watch sports on TV. A few years ago, when Amazon was trying to get into the streaming business, they decided that they were going to make sports documentaries. Now, the reason they did that was because they also wanted to get into the sports streaming business. So they started making these documentaries, and the point of these sports documentaries was to show us, the viewers, the amount of sacrifice that sports people pay for them to win. So the documentaries, for some of you who've watched them, they were called All or Nothing. And then you would have like an All or Nothing. The worst one was All or Nothing Arsenal. There was nothing that happened because Arsenal never wins. The point, of this, the point of these documentaries was to communicate to the viewer and to let the viewer in and see the amount of sacrifice that sports people pay to win. I don't know if there are any athletes in the house, but, but I can, I mean, you can look at me, you can see I'm not one. But you can appreciate the amount of sacrifice, the amount of time, the amount of dedication that sports people put into their craft so that they can win. This morning, as we continue reading from the book of Acts, we're going to read a story about people that sacrificed, that went all in, and God saw that they went all in, and the people around them saw that they went all in, and they were celebrated. And in the very same environment, some people decided to pretend that they were all in so that they could be assumed to be as dedicated as those who were all in. So friends, let's open our Bibles to Acts 5. We're going to read from Acts 5, verse 1, all the way to 11. And here's how it reads. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. 
And the young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the reading of your word, at the application of your word, we are transformed. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would give us the grace to obey your word. You would give us the ability to understand your word. We pray this in the mighty, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church of God said, Amen. Yeah. That's what we're talking about today. The, the thing about this scripture is that it causes us to have some deep philosophical, theological, even emotional questions. For example, yeah, does God still kill people? I mean, I've read the Old Testament and yeah, it was rough. Does he still do that? And what kind of a person stands in front of a woman and not tell her that I three hours ago? And how do you stand in front of people and say something knowing that they could die? These are profound, emotional, theological, philosophical questions. Friends, I propose to you that as important as these questions are, there is a deeper foundational question here that if we answer that question, it will help us understand all these other questions that we have. I propose to you the foundational question in this story is, why did Ananias and Sapphira lie? Why did they lie? Because you see, had they not lied, Peter would not have known what they did because they would not have done it, right? Or had they not lied, they would not have died. So why did they lie? So friends, this morning I'm inviting all of you on a journey to discover why did they lie. And once we find out why they lied, maybe you and I can learn lessons from them. One being how not to lie. <laughs> on a serious note, I think one lesson we can learn from them is not lying, being authentic, speaking the truth. Another lesson that I think we can learn is what could they have done differently once they were caught? Let me read, let me read the, 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 that scripture for you, verse 1. Let's just go to verse 1 again. I want to read it from my own Bible. I can see it there, but you know. I want to trust my Bible first. 
it says, but a man named Ananias and his wife. Friends, it's not lost on me that this scripture starts by saying a man and his wife lied or broke a rule that God had placed. It's not lost on me that this sounds like something that had happened in the beginning. Somehow, I remember a man and his wife, you know, the two of them, somewhere there at the beginning. It says, sold a piece of property with his wife's knowledge, and he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it. Now, to understand why this lie was so bad, we have to understand the context in which they lied. So let me remind you again, which I know you all know, what was happening at this particular moment. Jesus had been walking around uh, Jerusalem, around Israel, claiming to be the Messiah. That was his claim. He, 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 he was claiming to be the Messiah. And then he was crucified. After he was crucified, three days later, he resurrected, proving that he is what he claimed to be. Proving that he is who he said he was. He is the Messiah. As he started appearing and speaking to people, people realized that the man who had died is now alive. And when people realized that that man who had died is now alive, they went, this must be deep. There must be something here. Not only that, as people started believing the fact that Jesus had died and is now resurrected and is now alive forever, the Holy Spirit was poured out. As the Holy Spirit was poured out, people began to speak in other tongues. Not only did people begin to speak in other tongues, they started seeing the power of God in action. People started getting healed. And as people started getting healed and as people started discovering that God is on the move, people started going, this is deep. I need to be in this. So people started giving of themselves freely to what they were seeing as the reality that Christ is alive. People that were very rich came to the place of going, wow, Jesus, you are worth it all. I give my life to you. People that were middle class, they came to the realization that it is true. Jesus is alive. I give you all of me those that were poor, realize that Jesus is truly alive. Jesus, I give you all of me. This was happening to people as they heard and saw the power of God. So much so that a guy named Joseph, let's go to the, open your Bibles to just the chapter before, Acts 4. From verse 36. And here's what it says. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that had belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, see what's happening here. There's a guy named Joseph. He hears and he's made aware of everything that's happening around him. He finds out, he realizes that Christ died, Christ was resurrected, and Christ is worth all of me. So what does 
Joseph do, who's later called Barnabas by the disciples? What does he do? He takes everything that he owns, he sells it, and he brings it at the feet of the apostles. Now, we don't read that scripture with the innocence that they understood back then. We read it with our understanding of what's been done in the name of the church. And we bring that into that scripture and we go, yeah, me, I would never give those pastor stuff. And in most spaces, rightfully so, right? But I want you to notice, I don't think, I propose to you, Barnabas is not giving these things to the disciples. He is giving these things to God because he is saying, God, you are worth my life, so I am bringing everything to your feet. Let me show you why I think he's bringing it to God. If I asked you, how do you know a guy named Barnabas? You would say you know him as the guy who discipled and walked with Paul after Paul got saved. You would say you know him as the guy who, when John Mark was fighting with Paul, he came alongside Mark and he helped Mark back into the fold. You would say you know him for, from later on in the book of Acts as a guy who was walking around and spreading the gospel. Please notice what this guy did. This guy got so convicted of the reality that Jesus is alive that he went and he sold all that he had, put it at the apostles' feet and became a minister of the gospel and went everywhere preaching the gospel. Now, that's not a call for everyone. Amen. Some of us are called into a space where we need to let go of a lot. Some of us must let go of the little, but all of us are called to let go of ourselves. Just need to remind you, people living today, your private property is your private property. You own it. God has given it to you. This is that part where you said, those who have ears, let them hear. <laughs> Let me remind you of something so profound that we are all aware of. I'm going to read it, and as I read it, I know you know it. And as I read it, I know it applies to your heart. Here's what it says. During my lifetime, I have dedicated myself to the struggle of the African people. I have fought against white domination I have fought against black domination. I have cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunity. It is an ideal for which I hope to live for and to achieve. But if needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Who said those words? We all know these were the words that Nelson Mandela said during the Rivonia trial. He stands in front of the judge, I presume, and he says, I believe in a free and a democratic South Africa. I believe in a world that's not run by black domination, that's not run by white domination. I believe in that, and I believe it in it so much, I am willing to die for it. 
you can appreciate that as he is saying that there's a possibility that he might be sentenced to death. He's then sentenced to prison. And he spends years in prison. And the, the thing about us as humans is that we do value sacrifice. We do value people that sacrifice. When Nelson Mandela came out of prison, we all agreed as a nation that that person sacrificed. And because he sacrificed, we want him to lead our country. So we all voted him as the first president of a free and a democratic South Africa. We are wired as human beings to appreciate and honor sacrifice. This trait of human nature is as old as time itself. So you can imagine what happened to the early church when they found out that a guy named Barnabas had sacrificed all that he owned so that the gospel could be preached. I can imagine that Barnabas was celebrated. I can imagine that he was brought to the front and said, look at this man. Look at how much he has sacrificed. And in the middle of that, Ananias and his wife, they see that happening and they say, how too can we sacrifice or be seen to have sacrificed and celebrated the same way that those who sacrifice are celebrated? Friends, I propose to you that the first reason why I think they lied is because they wanted to be seen as better than what they actually were. They wanted to be seen as better. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because it's easy to talk about them, but we can recognize ourselves in moments when we try. Let me not talk about you. Let me talk about me. When I try to be seen as better than. Unfortunately for me, the English language has a word for people that try to be seen as better than what they actually are. Man, I don't like what I just said, but it is the truth. There is a word for people like that. And that's the word hypocrite. This is so problematic. I actually realized as I was preparing for this sermon that Jesus actually took a whole chapter to speak to hypocrites. This is Matthew 23. He spends time speaking to people that pretend to be more than what they are. As he's speaking there, he gets to a space where he says to, to, to the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, you guys are like those guys that clean the cups on the, in, on the outside. You clean the cups and the plates on the outside, but you forget to realize that they're dirty on the inside. And that's the nature of a person who's a hypocrite. They care more about how they're perceived than what they actually are. Friends, I propose to you that Ananias and Sapphari cared more about being seen as sacrificial than actually being sacrificial. 
And that's what got them into trouble. They wanted the community to see them as people that love God. They wanted the community to see them as people that sacrificed. So that's why they lied. There's a second reason why I think they lied. Now, the Bible is not clear that this is the reason that they lied, but I think this had something to do with their lie. I think they lied because they were not ready to fully commit. Let me explain why I think that. Ananias and Sapphira would have been aware of who Jesus was. It's possible that Ananias and Sapphira were there when Jesus was crucified, since his crucifixion was public. But let's say they were not there. If they were part of the community, someone would have told them that Jesus was crucified. It's possible that Ananias and Sapphira were there when Jesus resurrected and he appeared to over 500 people. Now, if they were not there and there were 500 people that saw Jesus, it's possible that they were told that Jesus was resurrected. It's also possible that Ananias and Sapphira were there when the Holy Spirit appeared as tongues of fire over everyone. Now, if they were not there, it's possible that someone told them. It's also possible that Ananias and his wife Sapphira were there when the disciples were gathered in a room and they were praying and asking for the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says, the room shook. Now, if they were not there, it's very likely that someone told them. Friends, what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that these people had heard the gospel. They had heard what, who Jesus was. They were aware of the power and the nature of Christ. The reality of who Jesus is has a high demand on us. Here's the high demand for those of you who were, who were not aware. He died for you so that you could live for him. He's asking for all of you. I can imagine Ananias and Sapphira realizing that Jesus is worth it all, but if I take all my resources, everything about me, and I give them to him, what will I have left? It's easy to judge them and go, yeah, it's about money, that thing. But as I was preparing this sermon, I had a deep question to my soul. What parts of me am I holding back and not giving to God? Yeah, I wish I could just sit there and just, God help me. What parts of you are you holding back and saying, God, you can have all my life. Some of, some of us are like, God, you can even have all my finances. You can even have all my relationships, but you cannot have my pattern of thinking. You cannot have the thoughts that are entertained in my mind. For some of us, we want to give God everything, but like, God, you can have all of that, but you see my sexuality, that one. Man, that's rough.
it's not lost on me that Ananias and Sapphira lied. And do you know who's the person that confronts Ananias about his lie? Brother Peter. Guys, what is Peter famous for? He is that guy who lied when he was asked. Yo, actually, someone just, just reminded me. He didn't just lie. He lied three times. <laughs> Friends, it shouldn't be lost on us that it is Peter, that great liar of note, who confronts Ananias with the fact that Ananias lied. And here's what Peter says when he's speaking to Ananias. But Peter said, this is verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? I want you to notice there. Do you, I hope you notice that Peter is actually not making necessarily a judgment on Ananias. What he is doing, he is literally just telling Ananias what his sin is. So he stands in front of Ananias and he says, Ananias, this is your sin. You have done this. Let me ask you a question. Don't worry, I asked myself this question as well as I was preparing this sermon. What do you do when you're confronted about your sin? Remember, you're not getting judged. You're just being confronted by your sin. Do you fall down and die? All of us are like, no, I don't fall down and die when, I'm, when, 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 I'm, when my sin is accounted for before me. I don't fall down and die, but sometimes we do. Let me explain how we do it sometimes. Sometimes when we are confronted about our sin, we agree with our sin and we say, it's so much, God can forgive me, I will never walk free of these things. This will be my life or this will be an issue in my life for the rest of my life. You're a walking dead person. There's an area of your life that is just dead. Don't worry, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that as like a preacher's thing, like I'm, I really mean it. There are areas of our lives where we've gone, yeah, man, here. When I got confronted, I'm like, there's no way out for me. I'll never be out. I'll never be free. I said to us, it should not be lost on us, the fact that the person who confronts Ananias about his sin of lying is a guy whose greatest sin that nearly knocked him out of the journey of walking with God was the fact that he lied. So as Peter is confronting Ananias, Peter understands that there is grace and there is forgiveness for anyone who would but repent. For anyone who would but say, God, I'm sorry, I did it. How do we get away from being hypocrites by living a lifestyle of repentance. The power of repentance is acknowledging that you are not as clean on the inside as you are showing people to be. 
Repentance is you acknowledging, man, God, I'm missing it. Give me your grace and allow me to see as you see. The power of repentance is recognizing the goodness of God. Recognizing that if I just confess right now, God is loving enough to forgive me. Then the Bible says something very interesting. Let's go to the next verse. In verse 7 it says this. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. That's, that's, a, that's a weird thing to put in the middle of this story. It says, after an interval of about three hours, Safari comes back and she does not know what has happened. Why is that phrase based there? Why is that story narrated so that we know that there was a three-hour gap between Ananias dying and Safari coming back? Friends, I think that's placed there so that we can understand the weight of glory that was in this moment. There was about three hours where Peter sat by himself and recognized and realized what had just happened. There was a time frame of three hours where the young men who had carried Ananias out were processing what had happened. So what had happened? Ananias lied. And when he was confronted with this sin, he did not repent, he died. Let me remind you that this story is happening at the birthing of the church. This story is happening where the foundations of the church are being laid. And God is so jealous for his church, he made a determination that there are some things that will not stand in my church. Hypocrisy will not be found in my church. Let me remind you of something. Let me show you something that if you were to play it out, if you were to game it out and see what would have happened. Now imagine Ananias and Sapphira lie and they come to the disciples, they come to the apostles with whatever they have and they put it at their feet and everybody goes, ha, look at those people. Now imagine for a second if Ananias and Sapphira were very, very rich. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how, whether they were well off or whatnot. We just know they had land that they could sell. But imagine they were very, very rich and they sell some of their property and they bring, let's, say, if, let's even say 20%. Or even 50%. But that 20% or that 50% that they bring is more money than anyone could bring. And everybody is thinking, wow, look at what these people have brought. And you can imagine, we spoke about the nature of how we celebrate people that sacrifice. If they come there and they've sacrificed that and then they become elders, leaders in the early church. Imagine the corruption in their soul every day, walking, knowing that you lied to get to where you are. Man, that hurts. Man, that's scary. Living your life feeling like a fraud every day. I think the mercy of God allowed them not to go through that. But then think about the rest of the church as well. Imagine them leading the churches in those days and them 
giving what they are because if you are a hypocrite, guess what you will create? You will create an environment that allows hypocrites to thrive as well. So God was like, we are cutting this off before it goes anywhere. What does that mean for our lives? I think for our lives, it means that we must be quick to repent. When you're confronted with your sin, don't try explain it. Just go, yeah, that was me. I know you're thinking, but pastor, you have not answered the question, they died. Follow with me here. Why did Ananias and Sapphira die? Because they lied. Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, you can walk away from this sermon and say, the pastor told us that Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied to the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to live an authentic and honest life, and I know God is going to bless me with long life. If you take that away from the sermon, that's not what I preach, but if you take that away, bless you and be, be holy. And I pray for long life over all of you. But please notice that they lied and then they died. Two chapters after this, and we'll speak about this next week, two chapters after this, a guy named Stephen, a man of God, a man filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a man who decides to live in full honesty, decides that he is going to live his life full of truth. He's very different from Ananias and Sapphira. He does not lie. He stands in front of the religious community of the day and he speaks the truth. What happened to him? Okay, let's, let's look at this. What did Ananias and Sapphira do? And what happened to them? Okay. What did St Stephen do? And what happened to him? We could do this all day. There's something profound that the scripture is telling us this morning. And here's what the scripture is telling us. We will all die. We will all die. Some of us, we are so stuck in this question of what do I need to do to get long life? What do I need to do this? Like, when, when, are they, I, uh, when is the AI being going to be created that's going to help me live forever? We are stuck with those thoughts, but we don't realize that we will all die. So the question is this. When you die, when you die, will you be found hidden in Christ? Will you die in your sins or will you die and be found to be righteous in Christ? That is the question. So if you live here and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how do I not die? It's not the question of life. The question of life is when you die, will you be in a relationship with him? Have you been guaranteed eternal life? Let's stand up and pray. I'm being told there's still time. It's great. I'm going to ask the band to come back on stage.
I want you to notice what this was about. The story is about people that give themselves fully, freely to Christ. They take everything that they own and they say, Jesus, here I am. You can have all of me. But also a people that are quick to live a lifestyle of repentance. And I'm fully aware that as I was preaching this morning, some of you were getting convicted and were getting convicted at different levels. And I want us to respond to what's happening in our hearts with full honesty. So I'm going to ask all of us to just close our eyes. And as your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let him begin to speak to you. There's a high call to discipleship in this home. God is calling us to bring all that we are to him. Now I want to speak to everyone here who's a Christian, who loves God, who knows God. Some of you have been walking with God much longer than I've been walking with Him, but as you're hearing me speaking, you're reminded that there are spaces and areas in your life that you have not yet fully surrendered to God. And the key to that surrender is repentance. So I'm going to ask us, doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to say, God, there are spaces in my heart that I need to let go of. Just raise them up. There's hands all over this venue. There's hands all over this venue. And this is us saying, God, we are coming before you. And we are saying there are areas of our lives that we have not yet fully surrendered to you. There are areas of our lives that we've not yet fully yielded to you. So Heavenly Father, we say yes to that high call to follow you. We say yes to that high call to dare to follow you. And we surrender it all this morning, Lord. And we ask, we ask that you would take it all. We offer our lives, as your word says, as a holy sacrifice, pleasing to you. Amen. Now, I fully also appreciate that there might be some of you who, as I was speaking, you realize that you've actually never surrendered to God. You've actually never surrendered to Him. Some of you had surrendered to Him before, but man, your life right now testifies against you. And right now, as I'm speaking, you were confronted with the reality that you haven't surrendered. But God, in His mercy and His grace, is giving you that opportunity to say, just repent. If there's anyone this morning who's saying, man, I need to make right with God. I need to go back to Him. Please just raise your hand. I'm looking around. 
Please just raise your hand up high so I can see it. I'm seeing hands. Process it. It's a deep call to surrender. It's a deep call to give him everything. It's a deep call to say, God, I was wrong and you were right. If your hand is up, I'm going to ask you to be bold and come to the front so that us as a congregation can pray for you as you start walking with him. Please clap hands for the people that raised their hands. Come on, be brave. I saw those hands. Keep clapping for them. I'm getting confused now. Maybe they didn't understand. Did I misunderstand whether there's hands for something else? Okay, that doesn't matter. What we'll do is we'll go into a space of worship now. And what I want us to do is I just want us to go back and declare what we did when we raised our hands. When all of us raised our hands and we said, God, you can have all of me. I also say this for those of you who raised your hand but didn't want to come forward, don't worry, I'll be here. So you can come to me then. Church, let's go before God. And let's pour out everything that we have. Whatever you own, whatever you are, bring it and give it to his feet. Amen, church. Um, As we close, I'd just like to, to pray this over the congregation. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Family, we pray that you have a blessed week ahead.